Welcome to Baptism Sunday. You guys excited or what? Welcome online as well. We're going to have baptisms uh, after the last song today, and then we're going to need to keep singing because we're going to be so pumped about that, and so we're looking forward to it. Um, We're glad that you're here with us today, and and we've been working through this new series to kind of lead towards things just like this. This is one of those days where it's not just an event, but this is a, a, a next step. And it's a starting line in a faith journey. And so anytime God is calling you to do a thing, um, you need to do it. And once you do that, uh, it doesn't stop there. You continue on a journey. And so this is why we're using that line. Every next step in your faith journey is a new starting line. There could be starting lines every day, every Sunday. You could come and expect that God's going to do something new and fresh. And we've also looked at... If there's moments where you're discouraged because you felt like you were either stalled in something or stuck, you got to go back to the thing God already asked you to do and then move forward. And so we've been using these four chairs that Dr. Dan Spader kind of observed throughout Scripture where it starts in the New Testament. We see um, this idea of come and see. Someone's a seeker. They're seeking Jesus and, and what God has for them, and it doesn't stop there. It starts with that invitation, just come and see but, but obviously there's more to it that, that Jesus would say to a person, follow me and be my disciple. They become a believer in that moment. They believe in Jesus Christ. They believe uh, in his purpose. They believe that he was risen from the dead. And it doesn't end there either that he actually, uh, specifically with, with the disciples you might think of in, in the gospel accounts and beyond, he says to them, some of them were fishermen, and he says, follow me. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. And so even if you're not a fisherman, that still applies the term work or someone who serves one another, not just serving the Lord, but serving his people and beyond. And it doesn't end there because we know uh, in the Great Commission and also in that nice story uh, where he's, he's telling his disciples, you know, I'm the vine, you're the branches, so produce much fruit, produce lasting fruit, but, but go and make disciples. And so to become a disciple maker, someone who makes other disciples. And so this is what we're looking at today. And we've noticed that for our church, we've noticed that something starts to change as you're approaching uh, seat two and, and getting into seat two, that you begin to love your king. Jesus is the king. We've just been celebrating and worshiping him. You begin to love your king, and then you start to love the things that he loves, and so you begin to love the church, which is the body of Christ, and it doesn't end there. You continue beyond. It's connected to this fourth chair of, of you know, you're going to start in, in Dr- Jerusalem, and you're going to go throughout Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth, so you're going to love your city and beyond, and so that's what we find here is that you love your king you love your church, you love your city, and it doesn't end there. You love the things that Jesus loves. And so what we're noticing here, and I was just thinking about it as we were uh, singing and praying together, is that um, what we want to see happen is that people get to chair four, and then a chair four is going to help someone in chair one get to chair two, and help someone in chair two get to chair three, and all the steps in between. And so that chair three becomes another chair four, and, and the process continues. For me, um, I had the luxury of having uh, great-grandparents who brought me to church, and so I had a lot of opportunities to come and see. And even I, w- I, was, I was believing, but I wasn't believing in the, in the sense of giving my full life to Jesus in, until there was this moment where I came to an altar very much like this at Riverside Camp, and in that moment, it was like I was leaning my full weight into Jesus. That's, that's the kind of belief that, that this chair is. It's not just like, I, I believe 
that, you know, it makes sense. And, and in my head, I believe it. it's like, you know, fully in your heart, too, you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And that he's risen, that he's alive today, that he's a personal God. And so that kind of leaning into Jesus is, is what chair two is. In that moment for me, something else happened. I felt this call into ministry, and I've joked before that I'm still learning what that means, you know, over 20 years later. But what that means is I believed, even though I didn't have these chairs that Dr. Dan Spader has laid out for us, I believed that I at least needed to get this far to help other people into this seat and other people to, to take my seat. What I didn't realize initially is that there was more. Because I was so concerned that people should at least just come and see Jesus and then have this opportunity to believe. And that obviously it wouldn't end there. But I really believe that that's, that's what it was going to be all about. And so for many years, this is what I was studying. I noticed in college, though, that there was more to it than that. I, I noticed that there, there was a higher calling than that. And, and really what I'm trying to get at is that all of us are called all of us are actually called to be disciple makers. No one's off the hook. It's not just for your pastor to do, although your pastor should lead the way. And so it's my goal to help all of us keep moving through this. And isn't it great that there's always a fresh start, a new step that we could take? But it's not enough just to get people in to see Jesus. We also are praying, obviously, we want people to have that same transformation that we've had. Some of us, it's very recent, and some of us, it's a few decades ago. I don't want to insult anyone here. Uh, for me, I used to have hair. Um, but it's not enough just to get people to the point of a decision and then to get them in the tank. Uh, but that is a next step. And so we want to be obedient in that. But there's so much more. And so that's what we're looking at today. And so we've used this text before and, and just to set up the day when Jesus has risen, and we learned last week that before he was crucified, actually on the night he was betrayed, he was telling his guys, listen, God's going to strike the shepherd and the sheep are going to be scattered, but after I'm risen, I'm going to go ahead to Galilee and meet you there. And so picture Jesus has already been through all of, of that, what we think of as Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday, really Resurrection Sunday is a better term for it. And then he's talking to his disciples. And Jesus came and told them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And so this right here means get over here. You know, you, you've come and see You've start believing, you know, I've made you fishers of people. Now you need to make disciples. And here's what that looks like. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to participate in that today. I'm someone who uh, became a disciple. Someone baptized me. Now I get to baptize others. We all get to celebrate in that. That's a collective work we get to be a part of today. And Jesus continues, the final verse of, of Matthew's gospel is, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's not just that Jesus is with us, but he has offered us the Holy Spirit. And we know that when the Holy Spirit came upon those initial disciples, something miraculous happened. And in the church, really, uh, there was a, a flame lit in the church, and that's why we get to be here today. And so when we hear Jesus say in those red letters, teach these new disciples to obey, we're realizing that discipleship, the whole process, but definitely here, someone that's here needs to teach them how to obey. This is how to trust in Jesus. This is what you need to do. You need to, we need to go and dunk you. We need to do that. You need to continue. 
that you need to start serving one another. And then you need to continue the process. And at any moment, you don't have to wait to make a disciple, by the way. Even if you've just transitioned from come and see a seeker to now you believe in Jesus, start bringing people along. Say, we're, we're going somewhere. We're going. We're getting closer to Jesus. We're obeying him. And so join me. In it doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor. You need to be a disciple maker. And that's all of us. And so we think of discipleship as these small moments of obedience and sometimes rather large moments of obedience. And I love the phrase that Eugene Peterson used for it. He says that discipleship is long obedience in the same direction. And so come and see is actually a form of obedience. You're, you're just starting to see what, what's it gonna be like. Is Jesus the king? Is he who he says he is? His teaching's great, but, but can I trust him? And then once you do that, you're obeying him. You're starting to lean into when he says, follow me and be my disciple. It starts. That is a great moment. But that's an event similar to in a marriage. You start with a wedding, but it doesn't end there. It's a journey that you go on together. And so you continue down this long uh, obedience in the same direction, to quote Eugene Peterson. What I love, and I've shared this with, with a few people in the last week or so, I'm sure you've heard it before, but a great posture for us to have as disciples, anywhere on the journey, you're picturing that you're in one chair or another, or you're in between, or you know what your next thing is, no matter what, rather than just waiting for, for God to, to audibly speak to you, or, or for something to just jump off the page and say, do, now do this, uh, rather than that, what if we took the posture like this, yes, now, what was the question? What if we took the posture, Jesus, no matter what it is, if your Holy Spirit's speaking to me, if I'm reading, if I'm doing devotions, and I know that I'm in this chair now, but you're calling me to something else, the answer is yes. What, what are you asking me to do? Do you see how different that could be for a disciple? And we learned last week that instead of getting stalled and pausing on a moment and then getting stuck because you didn't obey the last thing God called you to and you feel discouraged because you want to go further and you know that people are, are starting to go further and you want to do that together as a group, you realize there's no momentum when, you, when you're stuck and you're spinning your tires. But when we start making those, those, those yeses, when we start obeying him and even the small things, the bigger things, they're still hard, but they're less hard because you start to build momentum and you start moving down that process. And while you're bringing people along, I tell you that as we celebrate baptism at the end of this service, it's, it's hard to not be passionate about what the things of, of Jesus are and, and that we get to do this as a church. And even though I might be one person up there in, in the tank, you're participating in this. We feel like this is a collective mission for the church. Not just our church either, but we get to do this together today. And so the, the thing is to say, yes, now what was the question? And no matter what the question is, just make it a yes, and then you're going to be obedient to Jesus. He's the king. So it's Baptism Sunday, and, and baptism, this idea... Um, it really comes from a Greek word that I won't pronounce for you, but it looks really close to baptism, but it doesn't sound like that, and so I'm not going to say it, but it really means to dip fully or to plunge or, or immerse, and so that doesn't mean that you couldn't go into a hospital room or into someone's home, or it doesn't, it doesn't mean that you couldn't sprinkle and things like that. That's, that's not really the case, but today, because we filled the tank, it's, a, it's around 80 degrees Fahrenheit, so it's not, there's no ice chunks this time. I think, I think we're doing all right, but either way, it's something where we can put someone under the water. We can actually dip them fully. We can, they can take the plunge. They could be fully 
immersed. And what this means is when you go under the water and you're completely under, it's as though you've died and were buried with Christ. And we bring you up out. And what happens? It's as though you're risen like Christ has risen. And so remember the one who he himself was baptized and then he said, go and baptize these people. He was risen so that we would be risen. We're going to sing a song at the end. The resurrecting king is resurrecting me. And so we get to celebrate that. Us Wesleyans, we believe that baptism, it's this outward expression of an inward transformation. What that means is something could have already happened. You move from, I think I can trust in Jesus to, no, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into him. I trust him fully now. Well, the next logical step would be, well, let's get baptized. Let's do that. And so you can take that next step. And although it's, it's highly symbolic and it's important, the transformation can already have taken place in your heart and in your spirit. You're already raised, but this is representing it, and it's in being obedient to him. And so we want to do that, not so that you're saved, but so you're obedient. That's the difference. And so it's this outward expression that happens to be rather public in a good way, but it's because of an inward transformation. And so if that in, inward transformation has happened, you're eligible for baptism. Let's do it. And so that's what we want to help you with is no matter uh, what your next step is, but if it happens to be baptism, if, if you're here or maybe you skipped a step, but you're realizing, I, I haven't been baptized and I need to be we're trying to make it as easy as possible. Here's what we did. We moved part of the backdrop. We filled the tank. The water's rather warm. It's at least refreshing, uh, but it's, it's warm. Um, and we have towels. We have T-shirts. Uh, we want to uh, provide uh, the opportunity, but eliminate any possibility that you could chicken out. You, you know, you might get wet. Yes, you, you, will go, you literally will get wet. Uh, that's probably the hardest part about it. But if you could be obedient in that, then we get to celebrate together that you were buried with Christ, but that you were raised to new life. That's good news. That's part of the gospel. That's part of the great commission for us to participate in this. And here's the thing, it's not just about what we do, it's not just about me as a pastor getting to baptize someone, and it's not even just about uh, someone saying, I'm ready to get baptized, so baptize me, it's actually a work that God does to us and with us and for us, and so it's really a work of God that we get to act out in a physical way. I want to take you to a story that has... Um, been challenging to me, encouraging to me. It's an interesting one. It's in Acts. Acts, if you ever need kind of a, a spiritual booster shot, if you ever need uh, kind of a jolt, kind of an energy drink level that'll keep you kind of buzzing for a little while, read Acts and try to read it in like one sitting. Uh, you'll just be like, let's go. Like, what, what are we doing? You know, you'll hit the streets and you'll be running. And so we're going to look at this story. It's a really interesting one. And it's the early church, and, and this is what's happening. So we're in Acts chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 26. And so as for Philip, Philip is, is going to be one of the characters in this story. An angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So already... Something rather miraculous is happening, and so this doesn't happen every day for me, uh, but I still think it's real, and I still, still think it's cool, and if it, if it happens to me, awesome, I'm going on a journey, we're going on an adventure, so let's do this. But Philip, he has this miraculous encounter, and so the next verse says, so he started out. So keep in mind here, 
uh, he was challenged by an angel of the Lord. So imagine it's a starting line. He's already here, and maybe he's actually already in the next lap, but he's like, go do this thing. And he's like, nah, boring story, story's over. No, he stuck his, no, no, he started out. He started moving, and so, so he took that, that first step. And he started out, he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, authority under the Kandake, some translations say Candace, they, they name her the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now reading, seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. And Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? I don't know about you, but there's been moments where I've been reading that I wish someone could come along and be like, hey, do you, do you understand that? Uh, let me show you what that means. Um, quite often, it's like, can I get out a commentary? And then you get out that, that big book, and, and then you get out a, a dictionary on what are these terms, what is this? Uh, but other times, the Holy Spirit uh, either uses someone or speaks directly to you and, and helps illuminate that. But in this case, um, this man's already, already reading it, and then Philip um, has this sense to ask him. And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. And so it started with an angel kind of saying, Philip, hey, go over here. And then the Holy Spirit gives him another direction. And now he's invited into this opportunity with someone who's, they're, they're actually already, they've at least come to see, and it seems like they're believing in the Lord and they're trying to read his word but they don't fully understand it yet. And they just came from worshiping in Jerusalem. So it's someone who, they already made a decision about Yahweh and they've already decided that maybe I could be included in this. And even though I wasn't born into these people, maybe God would accept me too, which is something to come a little bit later in Isaiah, a couple chapters later in our text. But then as he's up in the carriage, the passage of scripture he had been reading was this. And here's a quote he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And so that might sound familiar to you, even maybe touching on a theme from last week. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet, Isaiah, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And I love this. So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him what? The good news about Jesus. He's basically saying, listen, you've come and see, I'm going to give you the opportunity to believe in Jesus. You, you already believe in, in God. Let me tell you, that God sent this Jesus, and let me tell you the story. So beginning with that scripture, he's leading him down so he has the opportunity to basically go on this journey. And so he began telling him the good news about Jesus, and as they rode along, they came to some water. So keep in mind, this is kind of like the comic strip where there's scene one and it sets it up, and then somehow there's a gap, 
but scene two, something else happens. Well, well, filling in the gap, he explained the scripture. We know that he's doing that, so assume that he's saying, well, in Jesus, he was baptized by this guy named John who was preparing the way for him, and then he, he leads him through the whole thing and, and showing, yeah, and, and he is the one who, who, was, who was slaughtered. He's the lamb of God, actually, but he was risen from the dead, and then he actually told us to, to go and make disciples and baptize them and explaining this is what it means that you're, you're buried with Christ and that you're raised to life, and so keep in mind this eunuch, he's, he's listening, and the Holy Spirit is intervening here, and Philip is instructing, and so when they come across some water like we're about to, oh, look, why can't I be baptized here? And so this is the situation, and he says, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? So I want you to think about that today. If you haven't been baptized, ask yourself that question. Why, why can't I be baptized? Why can't I be baptized? I love this, and I was pointing this out uh, to our media team. Jeremy saw this earlier, that uh, we're including this verse in, in, my, um, in my Bible. There's an asterisk, and it shows that this verse is in some manuscripts. I want you to see what it says. But in mine, it's actually at the very bottom of the page. And this is what it says. You can, Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart. And the eunuch replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So why can't he be baptized? He believes. He's made that step. He's had the opportunity. He's here and he knows. And Philip is being a disciple maker. He's like, let me bring you on this journey. This is my calling. This is what we need to do. What I love about this story, commentators, and we're not done, but what I love about it is that there's a divine miracle, but there's also human effort. There's scripture, but there's also a messenger. And so what I love about this is, is this is showing, even between two people, what the church is supposed to be like. We're relying on a divine miracle. We're relying on the Holy Spirit, but we get to be a part of it. He's chosen us to be a part of that. Not just me, by the way, all of us. We have the scripture, but we also need different messengers. And we need to be those messengers willing to go out on a desert road and, and talk to someone who, who is coming to see or, or, or getting ready to believe and to take them to that next step. And I love this. And so he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip Away, the eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. What a crazy story. It's incredible. He goes on his way rejoicing. And so I love in the ESV, he says, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Have you ever thought about that? What prevents someone in, in coming to Jesus and, and being united with him in baptism? What would prevent a person from that? Well, let's ask, like, have they heard the gospel? Are they responding to it? Do they believe in the sense of, they're not just coming into a seat and saying, yeah, call me a Christian now, but no, they're leaning into Jesus. They're putting them, their whole self into, yeah, I believe that he's the son of God. I believe that he died, but he also is risen. I believe that God sent him. I don't just believe in his teachings. I believe in his actions. I believe that he's a, li he's a living person, that he is alive, that he's actually exalted to the highest place. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and it goes on. Do you believe that? Then what prevents you from being baptized? It's good news. John has a, a testimony, uh, a different John, not the, not the writer of the gospel, um, 
but John the Baptist actually has a testimony about Jesus, and I love this too. Uh, John had the privilege, he baptized probably thousands of people. People just kept coming to him in the Jordan, and what was he saying? Well, you should get, you should repent of your sins, and, and baptism should be not just a cleansing factor, but it should show that you've done this, and, and, and so this should be a transition um, from, from who you were to who you're going to be now. And Jesus comes to him, and when John realizes, I think this is Jesus, like the Messiah that, that's coming, the one I'm preparing the way for, John realizes because he, he knew not just what the prophet said, but what the Holy Spirit shared with John personally, he knew that, that Jesus was going to do something special, that Jesus was actually going to offer us the Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't just have to go to a temple and, and find God's presence, but his presence would be in us and around us wherever we are. And so when Jesus comes to be baptized by John, what does John say? He's like, actually, I need to be baptized by you. But we see in the accounts of Scripture that Jesus says, this must be done. This is part of what the Father has for us. And so let's, let's be obedient in this way. And so even Jesus is baptized. And this is what John shared. John testified, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him, him being Jesus. I didn't know he was the one but when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me, the one on whom you see the Spirit descend and rest is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John says, I saw this happen to Jesus, so I testify he is the chosen one of God. And people trusted John, and so John's testimony, not only was he preparing the way, but then he's, he's literally pointing people to Jesus. He's saying, I saw this happen. You can trust this account, you can trust this one. So whatever he says and does, please follow him. He's got something more for us. He has the Holy Spirit, which he's going to offer. And that's connected to the future baptism, isn't it? I love um, a testimony. This is um, pre all the things we talked about last week with the disciples betraying Jesus, denying him, and abandoning him. Uh, but I love the, the situation where there in Caesarea Philippi, and, and Jesus asked his disciples, who, who do people say the Son of Man is? And Son of Man is a title that Jesus used for himself, partially in, in humility, but um, they said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And, and I love how then he hones in. Then he asked, but who do you say I am? And I love that Simon Peter, he's pretty bold. Um, sometimes he speaks before thinking, but here I think he did think a great deal. And, and he happens to be the one listed here. But it says, Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And something I didn't notice before, but notice here they say, Simon Peter answered. What I love about that is we learned in, in an early encounter between Jesus, when, when Andrew, Simon's brother, brought him to Jesus, Jesus looks at Simon and says, your name is Simon, but you're going to be called Cephas, which means Peter. What I love about that is Simon would be his Hebrew name, and Peter or Cephas would be his, his Greek name. They're combining the two. They're remembering uh, who he was, but also who he is now because of what Jesus has done and what Jesus has said. And then what he's saying is that you, Jesus, are the Messiah. That would be, what, a Hebrew term, and the Son of, of God. And so he's, he's saying the Son of the living God, actually. And so there's this connection between believing um, the, the text, but, but also this, this connection of, but it's also going to be for all people. 
Um, There's an interesting factor here. And so Peter's declaration, this is before he denied him, of course, but we understand that he was forgiven. Uh, Jesus wasn't done with them, and he, he goes forward, and when the Holy Spirit comes, we, we read this in Acts. Remember, Peter, he got to preach this incredible sermon, and, and he, he gave them instructions on what to do next, and, and basically to, to repent and to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, then you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so they all do this, and he's explaining that even the Gentiles, this is for everyone. This is, everyone is invited to do this, and if you do it, you're going to be saved. And and that day it says, those who believed what Peter said and were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That's some sermon that the Holy Spirit had his way, and there was this divine, but also this human effort. There was the scripture, but there was also the messenger, and, and God loves to use us in this. And, and remember what it says in Romans, Paul shares that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what prevents you from being baptized? Well, do you believe this? Then you can be baptized and you should be baptized. And you should, should do that, not just to be obedient, but don't you want to see what this means to be buried with him? You, you've died. Your old self is left under the water. When you come up, you're raised to new life. And it foreshadows that in, in the future, there's a day when Jesus is going to call us all. We will be raised. Even if we die before he returns, he's going to raise us. This is the point. And so the question here is, do you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Then you can be a disciple. You can get baptized. You can bring other people along. That's a starting line. And so if you haven't made that clear yet, you can make that clear today. And you can make it very clear to all of us if you want to come back to the tank afterward. I love in, in Colossians, we've read this before, and it, it's a theme. I'm going to change my clothing uh, because we have another service, and so I'm going to get some stuff soaked, and then I'm going to put on dry stuff, and then get some stuff soaked again. But there's a blue shirt that I'm going to put on that talks about being raised to life. And, and so in Colossians, it reads, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Think about that. When you go under the water, it represents being buried with Christ. It's not just remembering what Christ has done and what happened to him, but you were buried when you're baptized with Christ. And with him, you're raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So again, I say, when you start to love your king, when you, when you place your trust in him, when you believe him, it's not just, I believe that that's possible. I believe, yeah, yeah, I think that's true. It's no, you're, you're, you're trusting him. You're leaning into him with your whole self. You're trusting that he's gonna be able to, to carry you because of the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So that's like our theme verse for today, that you were buried with Christ, but you're raised with new life because, of the mighty power of God. It's good news. And I love this. It's not from bad to good, but it's from dead to alive. It's very different. There's a transformation, of course, and he's calling us to something, but that's what needed to happen, similar to the prodigal son. He was dead, but now he's alive. And so as we're closing, I want to think of this. I I want to um, be really clear, there's some things that happen to us immediately, and there's actually a longer list than what I'm going to share. But this is what happens when you start to put your whole trust in Jesus. What happens even in that first moment, that first event, that first crisis of faith, when you say, yeah, 
Jesus, I, I, I repent. I, please, I, I'm going to confess. Uh, not just that you're Lord. I'm going to confess my sins to you. I trust that you're going to forgive me. I trust that you're going to make me new. This is now true of us who are in Christ. And you can say, I am. You can say, we are. But I am a new creation. So there was a moment at Riverside Camp that I know and I believe that I'm a new creation. I've read 2 Corinthians 5.17, and I believe that I've been made new because of what Jesus has done. And so I get to participate in that. Um, This sounds funny, uh, so I won't say it pridefully. I'm I'm quoting Paul here, but I'm God's masterpiece. I knew you were thinking it. I, I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, I'm God's masterpiece. It's, it's, it's wonderful for you to get to experience me. No, but you are also God's masterpiece. And, and really, the, 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 the original word uh, workmanship, if you go back to the Greek, I, I kind of think this is cool, and this might be for another day or maybe for your study later, but the Greek word is poem. I'm God's poem. It might sound a little soft, but I think it's, 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 the, it's this creative work that he's done in us. Of course, all of us start out, we're made in the image of God, but then he starts to imprint Jesus on us in a different way. And so we're God's poem, and together we, we make up this, this beautiful rhyming kind of scheme here. I think that's awesome. I'm a child of God. We believe that. When we receive Jesus, he receives us into his family. I'm a child of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. So I don't know if you've ever had to use your passport recently, but all of us are a citizen of somewhere. And if you don't have that, it's pretty difficult to go from one place to another. But we're currently, some of us are citizens of, of different nations, especially Canada. That would probably be the, the, the most. But, but here, uh, I, might be, I might hold a Canadian passport, but I have one for heaven too. I'm seated with Christ and united with him. This, this is kind of crazy. We're not talking about these seats. We're talking about Jesus who, who, was, who was crucified. He died. He was buried. He was raised to life. And then what happened? He ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Somehow, something's changed with us spiritually that we are currently seated with Christ and united with him. And, and baptism is a reminder of that. I love this. This applies to um, the, the person in the, in the carriage, the person who's like, why can't I be baptized today? I'm no longer a stranger or a foreigner. Now I'm a member of God's family along with all God's holy people. You're no longer a stranger or a foreigner. Uh, the gospel is, is for everyone. And so as we're, as we're wrapping up, the team's going to come back to lead us. Uh, there's this physically and temporarily kind of side, and then there's this spiritually and eternally side. I just want to go back to Acts just for a moment for you to picture this Ethiopian. What I think is true now, uh, is he still a citizen of Ethiopia? Does he still hold that job? Yes, but now he's a citizen of heaven. There's a transformation that happens. And so uh, physically and temporarily, uh, for as long as he's empowered to do so, he's, he's still he's going back to Ethiopia, he's doing that. And, and from reading that text, at the start of the story, remember, he's under authority of the queen. Well, now he's under authority of the king. And so he gets to actually go back to the queen and say, no disrespect, but I'm serving the king and let me share with you the joy that I found because of him. This miraculous thing happened, this guy, I didn't catch his name, I think it was Philip, um, but he baptized me and this is what this means. And imagine if he could start with that same scripture and go, and, and just quickly, 
um, a couple chapters later from the text that, that he was uh, reading, what, what's fascinating here is it says, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be a part of his people. This would have been really um, particular to this, this Ethiopian eunuch. And, it, and then it continues, and don't let the eunuch say, I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future, which he could have said before the interaction with Philip and with the Holy Spirit. For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. That's it. Do you choose to do what pleases your king? Do you commit your lives to him? That's really the only thing uh, that you need to be ready for if you're going into the waters of baptism. I love this. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. And the reason I wanted to share that in our closing of this message is the good news of Jesus Christ is good news for all. All. What prevents a person from coming to Jesus? Are they going to trust in him? Are they going to commit themselves to him? Let's not make it hard for a person. That's why we want to make it really easy, even today. If you've decided to lean into Jesus, to believe in him, if you're trusting these things that we just talked about and you haven't been baptized, that's your next step. We want to encourage you to do that. God, we thank you for this and, uh, and we thank you. We, we've got someone ready to go that, that represents something that happened internally and now we're going to show it externally. We thank you for all that's true because of what you've done for us. And so we want to participate in that. But we are trusting that your Holy Spirit is active and at work in this right now. And so we thank you as we're trying to be obedient disciples and, and we're trying to teach these new disciples and even old disciples to continue to trust in you, Jesus, in your, in your works and in your words. Uh, we thank you that we get to celebrate this and be part of this mission you have for us. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.